Well, good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, today, as you have seen already in our video, we're going to be talking about the foundation for why we would do something like what we're going to do next week. You see, next week is our Be the Church Sunday, where we go out into our community and we uh, serve in the best way that we can. We serve by doing a bunch of different service projects all throughout. And to be clear, uh, church is not canceled next week. Um, we are having church. We are going to go out and be the church. So instead of having our regular service times here, um, at, we're going to meet here at nine o'clock and we're going to go out and we are going to serve together as a church. And in doing Be the Church, we are trying to solve some some problems in our area that need to be addressed. And they're often rather, maybe you could call them simple things like trying to paint stuff and trying to move some dirt. It seems this year is the year of painting. Everybody wants us to do some painting projects. Uh, but they're often things like that. But they are things that often make a difference beyond merely just having a fresh coat of paint when we are able to serve together, when we're able to express to our community that we care about them, that we want to serve them, that we want to be a part of what's going on in our community. We're trying to address some problems. And I don't think I need to convince you this morning that there's really a lot of problems facing us in our world today. If we look around at our world, there's all kinds of problems that we could point out uh, that should be, that we want to address. I mean, every day you have to walk around in this sin-scarred world, and you can't really do that without like bumping into problems left and right. Everything from your body that doesn't work as it should or as you'd like it to. I'm 27, and that's already starting to happen to me. Everything to our, our relationships that don't always go as they should, to the stuff that we own that breaks. All around us, we're reminded that we live in a world where everything is not yet all that God created it to be. There's the big problems like poverty and addiction and crime and injustice and corruption, hunger, homelessness, diseases, some of which we have cures for, we've discovered some cures for, but not a lot of people have access to uh, because they can't afford it or it's just not there in their country. Misinformation, neglect of the young, old, sick, and handicapped, just to name a few. I mean, if we spent the morning, we could probably just keep pointing out problems all around us. But what are the solutions to these problems? What are the solutions? What can we actually do about them? Well, there's four common things that people in our world run to to try and solve these things. And the first is more and better education. If people just knew the truth, if we could just educate people, then all these problems would be solved and we wouldn't face them anymore. But the problem with this line of thinking is that we are, people are more educated in our world today than they have ever been in human history. And yet, we still find ourselves facing all of these problems. The solution isn't more and better education because generally we know that uh, these things are bad for us, that we know that crime doesn't pay, we know that drugs aren't going to help us, and yet we still end up choosing that which is wrong. It's not just about knowledge. And I think churches sometimes fall into this as well. If we just study God's word, if we get together, if we memorize it, if we talk about it once or twice a week, then all of a sudden these problems will go away and everything will be fine. And that might be part of it, but it's not the whole solution. It's not enough. God actually has more for us than that. How about more and better money? Money. If people just had more money, then all these problems would go away. 
Well, the problem with this line of thinking is that we are one of the richest nations in the world, and yet we still are facing these problems. In fact, not only has it not solved our problems, it's made a whole bunch of them a lot worse, hasn't it? Money doesn't solve all of our problems, and I think in churches, sometimes we can believe this is what God wants too. If we just had more money to give to people in need, if we just had more money to fix these systemic problems, then it would all go away. But again, I think God's got a better plan for us. How about this one? More and better laws. If we could just come up with the right laws and political structures, then these things would go away. We could solve these issues. We have hundreds and thousands of laws in the U.S. In fact, so many that literally nobody knows how many we have, which I think is kind of funny. We just have so many that everyone's just like, I don't know how many we have. We just got a bunch of them. We just have so many laws, and yet, have they, have they solved all of our problems? No. We still face these things day in and day out. And some churches and Christians, I think, have fallen into this line of thinking where more rules will fix our, our sin problems. Like, if we can just get people to follow all these rules that we've made up, then these problems will go away. But, but God's word even says that that's not going to work. Colossians 3.23 says this, Such regulations have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed uh, worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. You see, rules have no power whatsoever to change my heart, which is always where all of these problems start, right? How about more and better politicians? If we could just get the right people in office, then they can solve these issues for us. If we can get, elect the right people, put them in the right positions, then these issues will go away. But in America, we have over half a million politicians um, that doesn't even count uh, judges, military leadership, leaders of over 150 federal agencies. That's a lot of politicians. And yet, we still find ourselves facing these problems. And sometimes for Christians, maybe it's not more and better politicians, but we think the solution might be more and better pastors and more and better ministry professionals. Like, I can't do a lot. I'm not the professional, but you, David, and people like you, you are the ones who are supposed to solve these issues. We've tried to subcontract out the world's problems to the professionals, but it just doesn't seem to be working for us. And so what are we supposed to do? Like, what's the solution to all these problems? If it's not laws, politicians, money, education, what can we actually do about this? What can be done? Well, the good news this morning is that God knows about these problems, and God cares about these problems, and he does actually have a way that he wants to address them in the world. In fact, he cares and he knows more than we do. You see, Jesus' solution to the world's problems isn't any of those things. Jesus' solution is actually more and better disciples. A disciple is somebody who follows Jesus. And it might sound simple or simplistic, but each one of the problems that we face in our world can really be addressed if more people were acting more like Jesus. All these problems are either the result of someone's sin or the result of living in a sin-stained world that is not yet what God created it to be. And if everyone was acting like Jesus, I mean, think about how many of our problems would literally just be eliminated overnight. Corruption, greed, neglect of people in need, misinformation, all that stuff would just be eliminated overnight because all of us would be acting like Jesus and he doesn't, wouldn't, would never act like that. And the problems that are left, we could solve or at least alleviate together because we'd all be working together on the same page, wanting to work for the good of others. I mean, what did Jesus do with his entire life? 
He laid it down for the good of others so that he could serve them. Imagine if we were all on the same page like that. Imagine how many problems we could solve so quickly. Like how often does a really great solution get ruined by someone's selfishness, someone's self-centeredness, someone's pride? Like something that would be really good for a whole lot of people would really help the community. How often does that just get side railed because of someone's pride or sin far too often? I think if we were acting like Jesus, so many of our problems could be addressed in quick order. But God actually says that there's one big problem, a bigger problem, than that every human being that has ever lived has faced. A problem so big that it, it, it goes beyond all the things that we have mentioned so far. And that problem is sin. You see, God created us to be in relationship with him, but we uh, broke that relationship when we decided to sin, when we decided that we were gonna go our own way and go against what he said is best and thought that we knew better than God. When we did that, we separated ourselves from God, and now there's this thing called sin in between us and God. But God loved us so much that he made a way back to him. He solved our sin problem in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And so now if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, we actually get to be a part of helping people find the solution to their biggest problem. And that's their problem of sin. We get to be a part of God rescuing them from that. See, Jesus, before he left to return to to heaven after his earthly ministry, set up a, a system that really could change everything. And that system that he set up is the church, Followers of Jesus doing what he called them to do, pursuing the mission that he gave us to pursue. So if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. That's going to be for uh, half of this morning, and then we'll go to chapter 21. If you've been around church for a while, these verses might sound uh, familiar to you. And and where we're at in the story, Jesus has finished up what he came to earth to do. He's paid for the sins of mankind on the cross. He's risen from the dead. He's taught his disciples really all that they need to know. And he's about to return to his father. And he's going to give them one last charge, one last thing that they need to know. And so Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so Jesus has just been given all authority. He has all power. He could literally do anything. He could solve any problem, unlimited power and authority. And what does he decide to do with that? He decides to establish the church. He says, this is what is going to solve the biggest problem in the world. He gives his disciples one job to do, and that is to make more disciples. That's actually the only uh, verb you will find in the original language in these verses is the verb for make disciples. And so everything else flows out of that. That is the one job that Jesus gave us. And so our first big truth for us this morning is this. Following Jesus means making disciples. 
At the very center of what it means to follow Jesus is to make more disciples. Jesus gave us one job, to make more followers of us, of, of him, excuse me. He didn't tell us to, to solve world hunger or to end poverty, not that those things don't matter, but because our sin problem is so much bigger, so much deeper. Jesus calls us to be a part of solving the biggest problem that there is, our problem with sin. And he's already made it possible for people to be rescued. He's solved the problem, but he's charged us with being a part of people finding that rescue and finding that good news that Jesus has already made it possible. According to Jesus, you can't really call yourself a follower of him and not make your life about making disciples. It is the one thing that he has called us to do, the one job that he has given us. Yes, he has other teachings and other commands, but all those really fall under the greater banner, the wider banner of making disciples, making more followers of him. If you've been around Bridgewater much, you've probably heard us say that our mission is to make more and better disciples. And this is why, because this is the mission that Jesus gave to us. This is the one task he's given us in life, and we're going to pursue that with all that we have. Jesus goes on to give uh, three important steps to making disciples here in these verses. And the first is found in verse uh, uh, 18 and 19 there. He says, go and make disciples. And so first, followers go. Followers of Jesus go into the world. We don't just stay in our churches. We don't just stay in our comfort zones, but we go out there because there are people out there who need to hear the good news of Jesus, I hope you love being here at church. I hope you find it to be a place of encouragement and community and fun and accountability and and so much more than that. But church, this is not the end goal. Being here on a Sunday morning is not the most important thing about what it means to follow Jesus. We are called to take what we learn here and apply it to our lives and share it with people in our lives who need to hear the good news that Jesus has solved their sin problem. Being here is not the end goal. It's not the most important thing because God has called us to go. It's not about our building. It's not about our services It's about being a part of what God is up to, being a part of what he is looking to do in the world. One of the things I've found myself praying a lot recently is that I would be a part of what God is doing and not in the way of it. Because I think that can happen often where we get distracted, we get just kind of off board, we just get distracted with something and we don't even realize before we know it that we're actually in the way of what God is trying to accomplish. Like I think about how many times I've been in a conversation with somebody and they're sharing something with me that is, that is difficult in their life and I immediately, of course maybe this is just a guy thing, but I'm immediately trying to come up with solutions like here's what you need to do and these are some steps you need to take and they didn't need that in that moment. All they needed was somebody to listen to them to hear them, to, uh, to validate their feelings, to validate that, that whatever they're going through right now is extremely painful and just really hard. They just needed somebody to be there and actually care about what they're going through. But here I am being a big idiot and trying to like, give them a solution to their problem 
when the solution they really needed was somebody who cared. And I think about how often I'm, I'm in the way of what God's trying to do. And so recently I found myself praying that a lot. God, help me to be a part of what you're doing and not get in the way of it. Well, secondly, followers baptize. Jesus gives us that command there to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're, we're commanded to baptize, and that's one of the reasons we have baptisms around here often. Also, it's just a ton of fun <laughs> to listen to stories of how God is changing lives. I think we're at 71 this year of baptisms uh, across Bridgewater campuses, and it's so fun to hear story after story of how God is changing lives. But that's one of the things Jesus has actually called us to do is to baptize others. Well, third, followers obey and teach others along the way. Jesus says to teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. And maybe it sounds rather redundant to say it, but followers of Jesus follow Jesus. They do what he says to do. They model, what, uh, they model their lives after how he lived they try to be like Jesus. They obey what he says. And Jesus says we are actually also to teach others to obey that. And notice that it doesn't just say teach them what he said. That would actually be a lot easier because that would just be communicating information. But he says to teach them to obey what he said, to actually do what he said, to observe what he said. And that's a lot harder because that requires transformation especially since Jesus' teachings often focus so much on the heart and not just on outward behaviors. Earlier in his time on earth, Jesus told a story that helps illustrate for us what obedience looks like. And so I'd like you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. And so let's just back a few chapters. Matthew chapter 21, looking, starting in verse 18. Here Jesus is talking to some religious leaders who thought that they had everything right. They thought that they, they knew what they were doing. They, they thought they had everything right. And Jesus tells them the story to say, no, you're actually missing the whole point. Let's look at the story in Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 28. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later, he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe in him. So Jesus tells this story about this first son that said he would uh, he would not obey, but he actually went and did what his father asked. He actually obeyed. And the second son said that he would obey, but never actually did. And Jesus said it is the first son who's the one who actually obeys. Now, I'm sure none of, none of your kids would ever do this, right? I'm sure they would never tell you that they would obey and then go and not do it, right? Well, what would happen if, if, if you discovered that? You would probably punish them for not obeying you, right? Because obedience is about what you do, not just about what you say. It's about what you actually do. And Jesus tells this to the religious leaders to say to them, basically, you are that second son. 
You are making an outward appearance of obedience, but you are not actually doing what I have commanded. Because these religious leaders refused to repent and believe in Jesus as God was telling them to. And again, his point is that obedience is about actually doing what God says. Not just making some show of it, not just talking about it like we will, but actually going and doing it. You see, Jesus calls us to actually obey him. Not sit around and talk about it, not just say that we will. And so our second big truth this morning is that Jesus wants followers, not fans. He wants followers, not just fans of him. Jesus is not interested in fans who talk about obeying and make an outward show of it or fans who simply want to observe what he is doing. He wants followers who are going to actually join him, get in the game and do the work. He doesn't want spectators. He wants participants. I think you all know there's a big difference between being in the NFL and being a fan of the NFL, right? Like a guy who, who sits on the couch and watches uh, a, a game is worlds apart from somebody who works out hours every single day, has trained their entire life, and then actually shows up to the game and actually puts in the work. Like those two are like worlds apart. We understand that, right? So one of the things I try to help my, my uh, junior high soccer kids understand, like uh, they'll, they'll, they, th- they like the idea of soccer. They think it sounds like fun, but when they show up to practice and we're like, hey, it's time to run, and all of a sudden it doesn't sound like that much fun anymore. And, and I watched some of them, and, and I know that they're not going to make it on the high school team, not because they don't have the talent, but because, at least right now, they're not willing to put in the work that it requires. We understand that in life, and the same is true spiritually. Jesus' words to the religious leaders might might seem a little harsh to us because he tells them that the prostitutes and tax collectors, which in their mind would have been the worst of sinners, are entering heaven before they are. But in the middle of that, there's actually some amazing news because Jesus is basically saying that anyone can be a follower of Jesus. Anybody can be a follower. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what you have done or what you've not done. Your past doesn't have to stop you and it does not have to define you. What you do now and what you do tomorrow is far more important than what you did yesterday because yesterday is gone and you can't change it. But today, you have a choice whether or not you're going to follow Jesus or not, whether you're going to actually obey what he says to do or not. There's a lot of people in our world who are fans of Jesus, big fans. Churches are full of them. They're probably even raving fans. They probably love his teaching. They might even have it memorized. They love how he makes them feel. They know all about what he did and what he taught, but they don't actually get up and do what he has called us to do. They're not actually following him. Fans don't really do what their heroes do, right? They don't practice They don't work hard. They don't get in the game. They just watch and listen and criticize those who are actually the real players. But followers are different. They show up. They do the work. They actually obey what Jesus said. And Jesus is saying that I want followers, people who are actually going to join me in the mission that I have to change the world, who are going to get off the couch and actually be a part of what I am doing in changing the world such an exciting thing to be a part of what God is up to. And, and next Sunday, the 30th, is a great opportunity for us to be a follower and not just a fan. 
It's not the only opportunity. We have an opportunity to do that every day, right? We can always be following Jesus, but it's a great opportunity for all of us corporately together to be followers of Jesus and to put what we say into practice and show the world that that's what we want to be. Those are the types of people that we want to be. We're going to have our annual Be the Church Sunday trying to serve uh, our community by doing these projects. And, And my goal this morning... It's been really, really simple. I've tried to just help us understand why we would do something like Be the Church, why we would uh, forego our regular services in order to serve in our community. And it's as simple as this. Jesus wants more than just fans. He wants followers. He wants people who are going to actually do what he called us to do, not just sit on the sidelines. And he has called us to serve those around us. And so we like to take a day every year to really do all together what we should be doing individually all of the time. And that is to serve people around us and to serve in our community. And while one day of serving our community isn't going to solve all the world's problems, we recognize that, it does solve a few small problems at a time. And in the process, I think it helps us become the type of people who see a problem and actually want to be part of the solution. Not just people who sit on the sidelines and say, someone should do something about that, but people who pick up a shovel and get to work. People who say, you know, Jesus wants to change the world, and maybe he wants to use me to do that, and so I'm going to be a part of the solution instead of just complaining about it. And so my challenge for you from God's word this morning is just that simple. Show up next week for Be the church. Actually come next week. We're going to, uh, our plan for next week is that we're going to show up here at the campus at 9 a.m. and that'll be a bit of an adjustment for those who typically go to second service. Um, we're going to have donuts and coffee available because we do believe in bribery here. Um, as Pat said last week, uh, if you have one of your orange Be the Church shirts already, please uh, wear that next week. If not, we will have one for you. We all get to be uh, walking traffic cones uh, next week um, so that uh, we can be identified easily. Uh, we've got multiple projects that you can choose from, and there's hopefully going to be some more by next week. And if you actually have an idea for a project that could uh, serve our community, um, please see me. I'd love to talk to you about that. My first question for you is going to be, do you want to lead it? Um, just so you are aware. Um, but we are, uh, we've got, uh, I think, 10 projects or so right now. We definitely need some more um, because we want to be as helpful as we can possibly be next week. That's, why, that's the whole purpose of what we are doing. And so so if you've got ideas, uh, I'd be happy to talk to you about that. And it'll really help next week run a lot uh, smoother if you sign up for a project today uh, instead of waiting till next week because there might be some uh, materials or tools or supplies or things like that uh, that you could bring, and you won't know that if you don't know what project you're doing. Um, so if you could sign up this week, um, that will actually be a really, really helpful to us, and it'll help next week just run a lot smoother. If you have kids, uh, there might be a bit of a hesitation to come to a day like this if you have little children, and I just want to encourage you to come anyway. Uh, you might think that you won't be all that helpful if you're watching kids while trying to work, and you might feel like you might not accomplish as much, but you will show your kids what it looks like to serve the community and serve others and be the hands and feet of Jesus, which is an amazing thing. More often, uh, things are caught 
more than they are taught. Like they, they listen to what we do more than what we say. Uh, and so next week is really a great opportunity for us to, again, be the church together and show the next generation what it looks like to serve our community, to serve others like Jesus served us. And so I'd encourage you to please still come. Well, church, I, I pray that uh, we are a people that are not just raving fans of Jesus, but who actually follow him and do what he says to do. Let's be a people who get in the game and follow in the footsteps of our Savior who actually moved toward those who were in need instead of away from them. That's why we do something like be the church. And so again, my challenge for you, my encouragement to you is to be here next week as we go out and we serve in our community. Let's pray as we uh, finish our service this morning. Father, we are thankful for you. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you are a savior who moves towards us in our need instead of away from us, that you love us, that you care for us, that you, you know about our problems and you actually want to meet them and you actually sent Jesus in uh, to this world so that he could solve our greatest problem, our problem with sin. Father, I, I pray that we would be a people who follow in the footsteps of our Savior, who move toward those in need instead of away from them, that when the world is on fire, instead of running to where, what feels safe and what feels comfortable, we pick up a bucket of water and we run towards that flame because we have been rescued and we want to share that rescue with the world. Father, I, I pray for next week. I pray that it would just be an amazing time serving our community together. I pray that um, you would work out all the, the, help us to work out all of the logistics of projects and, and tools and all the stuff that needs to happen for us to, to be a part of what you are doing in this community. Father, I pray that we would be a people who are a part of what you're doing and not in the way of it that we'd, we'd look beyond ourselves, we wouldn't be focused on just us and, and, and what is comfortable and what's easy for us, but that we would say, you know what, I, I want to be a part of what God is doing. He is on the move, and he is out to change the world, and I want to be a part of that. Father, I pray that we would do that every week, not just on uh, the 30th when it's Be the Church, but that would be something that we do individually all the time. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice, and it's his name that we pray. Amen.